0: Are you looking for inspiration and words of wisdom so you can go out and launch your own business? This is the Lost and Founded podcast, bringing you raw and relatable stories of successful entrepreneurs, committed startups, and personal experiences that are here to inspire, inform, and influence. My name is Becca.
1: And my name is George.
0: And in today's episode, we'll be interviewing an advocate in environmental change within the business world. Her passion for fighting food waste led to the creation of Olio, a food sharing app, which now has over 3 million users who have so far saved the equivalent of 44 million car miles. Without further ado, we're excited to introduce Tessa Clark. Welcome, Tessa. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Great to be with you. Great to have you, Tessa. So for those of you who don't know out there,
2: could you please explain what Olio is, what it means to you and why the name Olio? So Olio is an app that exists to tackle the problem of food waste in the home. And we do that by connecting people to their neighbors so that you can give away rather than throw away your spare food. So it takes about 10 seconds to add something to the app. That then triggers some notifications that are sent to your neighbors, letting them know something new has been added near them. They can then browse the listings, request what they want and pop around and pick it up. And it's really important to stress in these uh, post-COVID times that all the pickups are no contact. So that means someone pops the item outside just a few minutes before the person due to picking it up arrives. And your second part of your question was why it's called Olio. So, Olio means a miscellaneous collection of things. And if you look on the app, that is exactly what you will see. Uh, We also really loved Olio because it's got the two O's, which we felt were very symbolic of sharing, circularity, community, the planet. And also really importantly, it was a word that we really liked. We thought it sounded like a gorgeous word. And it was really important to us that we chose a word that we could own and that we could really build and create a brand around. And because we knew from day one that we wanted Olio to appeal to the mainstream, we knew we needed a word that sound it did sound nice did sound slightly aspirational because we didn't want people to think that Olio was just you know sort of a bunch of crazy tree-hugging hippies and and sort of not for them we wanted to really create this sense that Olio was for everybody
1: it really is important to have a good name for your business and this is such a cool idea what Olio is so how was it exactly that you came up with Olio what was that original spark of inspiration
2: so I had, I guess, a metaphorical sort of light bulb moment six years ago now. I was living with my family in uh, in Switzerland and was moving back to the UK. And on moving day, the removal men said to me, I had to throw away all of our uneaten food. I'm a farmer's daughter. So I had a well-spent or misspent youth, depending upon how you look at it, working incredibly hard alongside my two younger brothers on our family farm. And as a result of that upbringing, I really, really value food because I know how much hard work has gone into producing it. So when the removal men told me to throw away this perfectly good food, clearly that is something that I was not prepared to do. So much of the irritation, I stopped packing and instead bundled up at the time my newborn baby and my toddler. And I set out onto the streets to try and find someone to give that food to. To cut a long story short, I failed miserably. And I thought about knocking on my neighbor's doors. I realized I just didn't have time for that. That was really inefficient. And also it would be really awkward and embarrassing. You know, they might not want what I had. And so I went back to my apartment but I wasn't to be defeated. And so when the packing men weren't looking, I smuggled the non-perishable food into the bottom of my packing boxes. And that was the point when I just thought, this is crazy the lengths I'm going to, to avoid throwing away this food. I'd worked in the digital world for about 15 years at that point. I knew there was an app for everything. And I just couldn't believe it wasn't a really simple app where I could advertise my food to my neighbors and they could pop around and pick it up.
0: It's a really humble story, actually. I think something that a lot of us have experienced. So when you had this idea, how did you then actually bring it to concept? Like, I mean, you said you have a lot of experience in the digital world, but do you have experience in
2: tech or is this something you had to learn along the way? Yeah, I think it's it's really important, actually, just pausing a little bit on that sort of the moment of the idea, because I had wanted to do something entrepreneurial for quite a few years before founding Olio, but I had not done anything about it because I thought I didn't have an idea. And what I've realized is that I was going about it all wrong. What I should have been doing was looking for a problem that I wanted to solve. And so what happened with Olio was I sort of had that experience and that then took me down a rabbit hole of finding out, well, how big is this problem of food waste? And what I discovered absolutely shocked and horrified me. Uh, So Very briefly, I discovered that globally, a third of all the food we produce each year gets thrown away, which is worth over a trillion US dollars. Alongside that, we have 800 million people who go to bed hungry every night, who could be fed in a quarter of the food that we waste in the Western world. And As if all of that weren't bad enough, uh, food waste is absolutely devastating from an environmental perspective. So, if it were to be a country, food waste would be the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. And then I also discovered that um, in a country such as the UK, half of all food waste takes place in the homes. That horrible problem I've just outlined, we are half of that problem. Um, And so, really by kind of focusing in on that problem, that has given Olio a really, really clear mission. And it gave myself and my co-founder, Sasha, fire in our belly to make uh, Olio happen and to bring it to life. So that the first step that we did after that market research was to then survey, uh, to do a survey to find out if anyone even cared about this problem, because it might be a Problem that's big on paper, but if no one cares about it, then then Olio was never going to work. And so we sent out this market research survey via lots of Facebook groups, and the key data point we got back from that was that one in three people told us they were physically pained throwing away good food. So that was sort of great news that demonstrated to us that this is actually a mainstream problem and that people are hating throwing away food and yet they have to do it regularly but that still didn't mean to say that people would take the next step in our hypothesis which was that they would share food with a stranger uh, and we wanted to test that before building an app that you know in all likelihood no one would want to use and so what we did was we invited 12 people who had done that market research survey who said they were physically pain throwing away good food we invited them to take part in a an experiment for 2 weeks and we put them on a closed WhatsApp group so they all live close to each other uh, in North London. They didn't know each other, we didn't know them. And we said, here for the next two weeks, if you do have some spare food, here's a group of neighbors that you could share it with. And we waited with bated breath for, I think it was about uh, 24 or 36 hours. And the first item was shared into that WhatsApp group. And then over those two weeks, quite a bit of sharing took place. We then met with those people and debriefed afterwards. And they said, you have to build this it only needs to be slightly better than a WhatsApp group. And how can I help? And so the only slightly better than the WhatsApp group gave us really, really clear feedback that we needed to focus on building just a minimal viable product, just the most simple form of the Olio app that we could. And at that point, we had the conviction to invest now in getting that MVP built. And we worked with an agency called SimpleWeb in Bristol. And they uh, gave us half... Uh, price day rates in exchange for them taking a small equity stake in the company when we did our first external raise. So that really helped to make building the first version of the olio app affordable. Yeah, you know, and and neither Sasha nor I were developers, so we were not able to code the app ourselves. So we needed to work with a third party, but we really wanted them to have skin in the game, to be really bought into this, and not for us just to be a hey, another client. And so that mechanism that we did, whereby their I guess their sort of sweat equity would convert. Um, was a really effective way of doing that.
1: Amazing. And just goes to show how important those stages of research and collaboration are if you want to bring that idea to fruition. You mentioned how before Olio you've been wanting to do something entrepreneurial for a fair bit. Growing up, did you always have that ambition to be your own boss, as, uh, as they say, or to just to start your own business?
2: No, I didn't, uh, is the honest answer. When I was growing up, I had absolutely no clue what I wanted to do when I got older. And I went off to pursue what could be described as a fairly classic corporate career. And throughout that time, I guess I was doing what society defined as successful. Uh, And what that meant is I had a great CV, but it wasn't a CV that excited me. And I, I kind of look back now in surprise, really, because now that I know more about myself, it's kind of, it feels obvious that I was always going to be an entrepreneur, but actually for the, it took me forever to figure that out because I didn't see any role models of people who were, you know, from my farming background or who are from my gender, um, out there sort of building tech startups. It's just a very, very narrow type of role model that we all see every day. And so that, it took me a really long time to figure out this was something that perhaps I could do. And actually, I studied, You know, I did my MBA at Stanford Business School in the heart of Silicon Valley for two years. And even when I was there, I still didn't even do any entrepreneurship classes because I just didn't feel that that was for someone like me. But it, it took me until a little bit later in life. And I was just getting increasingly frustrated that I was not inspired by my life. And I was inspired by so many other people's lives. And I kind of wanted to change that. Plus, then I'd finally found a problem that I was really, really passionate about solving. And so that then gave me the conviction to sort of feel the fear and do it anyway, and uh, found Olio with with Sasha, my co-founder.
0: I think it's really apparent that you have values that you really, really appreciate, and you really stay in touch with those values throughout all of this. That so you're saying you didn't actually have that click moment, but you realised that your CV wasn't giving you that kind of. Yeah. I don't know, spark that you needed. So it's clear that you have these values. And as you're saying, within the farming industry, you're clearly a really, really hard worker. So how have you found that that has maybe helped you when setting up a business? Or is it something that maybe now you're getting all this success is beginning to take a
2: backseat? Or is it still really at the front of what you do? I think your, your values and your personal moral compass are critical because without that, you have nothing. Uh, so it's really, really important to always keep that front and central. Again, my sort of upbringing, living on a pretty isolated farm, did not feel like a natural start to a tech career. Especially when you hear about everybody else who was, you know, coding by the time they were five or eight, and they've got, you know, three different businesses by the time they're twelve. You know, that really was not me. But I do think there are actually lots of things that you get from a farming upbringing, which can set you up. Uh, For success, you know, one of which you've touched on, which is hard work. Um, If you talk to any entrepreneur, they will say that actually one of the key success factors is just having oodles of resilience grit um and you're just gonna kind of put in the hours so I think my farming upbringing really helped with that I think the other thing that my farming upbringing helped with was having a, a problem solving mindset so on a farm you don't control any of the variables you can't control the weather you can't control animals you can't control the prices of uh, which you sell or the prices at which you buy things so Most things are out of your control. And what that means is that you've got to get really, really quick at adapting fast and solving problems. And that's a critical capability when you're a startup founder is adaptability. You know, you kind of start off on day one and you don't know anything. And then each day you're learning a little bit more. And you've got to be able to quickly respond to that new data to enable you to to grow and continue to stay alive.
0: No, it's so true. And I think that's a really reassuring message to a lot of people who'd be listening on that like topic of values i guess your whole business model is really strong on ethics and morals what would you say are the main business values and how do you make sure that that stays at the forefront of your business throughout the whole journey
2: everything we do at olio is guided by our mission which in a nutshell is to solve the problem of food waste in the home. So everything we do kind of ties back to that master mission. And then we've got four key values. The first one is inclusive. And that's really, really important to us because we've set ourselves an enormous goal. We want a billion Olioers by 2030. And the reason for that is really simple. If humanity stand any chance whatsoever of mitigating the worst effects of the climate crisis, we have to solve the problem of food waste at scale. So given that we've got that enormous goal of a billion people then we need to build a a product that is going to appeal to and welcome absolutely everybody. And that means we need a team that can sort of reflect that community as well. So inclusive is is our number one uh, value. Our second value is resourceful. We hate waste of any variety at Olio. And so what that means is we spend both our money and our time very, very carefully. And we recruit people. That's, I guess, part of the definition of resourceful. The other part of the definition of resourceful is having oodles of initiative. And everybody at Olio is the type of person that asks for forgiveness, not permission. So that's the second value. The third value is caring. By that, we mean caring to each other, caring to our community, caring to the planet. Caring to ourselves. And we just think that's really, really important. Sort of at Olio, we care and we have a caring community. And that translates into a really uh, lovely product experience. And then the fourth value is ambitious. We're deeply, deeply ambitious for not only the company, but also for everyone who works at Olio. And how that manifests itself is into us all just continually learning. We've all got a real kind of growth mindset here and everybody's really um, sort of pushing and developing themselves to, to be the best version of themselves.
1: You mentioned there about how passionate you are to do your best to help with the current climate crisis we're dealing with at the moment. Is this passion for sustainability something you've always had since your days of working on the farm?
2: Yes. Uh, I think when you spend as long working on a farm and living in nature as I do, you realise that we're just one part of an ecosystem. An ecosystem that on the one hand is incredibly strong, but on the other hand is also quite vulnerable. And I think, you know, you sort of realize how naive humanity has been to think that we can kind of mess around with an ecosystem so profoundly and not expect any um, negative repercussions. So yes, I've always been really, really passionate about sustainability. But if I'm being really honest, I, I guess, rebelled a little bit against my upbringing. And I kind of went to London and just got carried away with this just massively consumption-oriented lifestyle. And then it's only since... Uh, I've kind of founded Olio and I've had kids and I've had an opportunity to really reflect on the lack of sustainability that we have in in the capitalist model that we've got at the moment um, and the business model that we have at the moment that I've realized just how critical sustainability is. It is the only model that will prevail in the future.
1: I can definitely relate to you saying there about you going to the city for the first time when I lived in a small village for as long as I can remember, as soon as I came here to Oxford, I was like, oh my God, public transport, so many buildings, oh my God. But yeah. it's so important to keep yourself grounded and realise the issue at large. And yeah. how important do you think this issue of sustainability is within any business?
2: For me, it is Absolutely essential. So it's very clear that we have to reinvent business, that the current model of capitalism, whilst it has many strengths, is no longer fit for purpose. And we get quite frustrated at Olio that for too long, we've had to live in this overly simplistic and restrictive dichotomy, which has on the one hand, charities who seem to, you know, people seem to believe that they have sort of the exclusive hold over the ability to do good. But the challenge with that is that there's very few examples of charities actually having been able to scale and have impact uh, as quickly as businesses. And then on the other hand, we've got businesses that are great at scaling really fast and um, having a big impact, both positive and negative, but they have got sort of enormous negative externalities. And we at Olio believe that the third way is absolutely critical, which is profit with purpose. And that actually, I'd like to think that within the next five, certainly 10 years, any business that is not operating with a profit with purpose business model will lose its license to exist so that that is very much my hope as to where where we're going to move towards i think you have a really refreshing attitude towards this whole profit with purpose idea could you maybe explain a little bit more about that and, and what that actually means to you I think what we need to do is recognize that entrepreneurship and human sort of creativity are really, really, and the concept sort of of a market are all really, really powerful, well-proven concepts. But the problem is that to date, they've all been focused on optimizing for one thing, which is shareholder return. And that has led us into the situation where we are today, where we have these enormous negative externalities. It's like fantastic. We've delivered bucketfuls of shareholder return, but oh dear, we've completely trashed the planet and we've destroyed our communities. That's just not sustainable. And so we have to move to a model where we don't just have this obsession with shareholder return above everything else, but that actually we put equal weight on people, planet, and profit. And I, I do believe that you know by the time my kids grow up, they will look back in utter disbelief at how dysfunctional our current version of capitalism is. And it's just taking us kind of roaring towards that cliff edge. Uh, And when you kind of step back and look at where it's taking us to, it makes no sense whatsoever.
1: In terms of your business model with Olio, it's interesting in that the app itself is free for users. So Mm. if you don't mind us asking, how is it Oleo Olio does make its money?
2: I don't mind you asking at all. Um, So Olio started generating revenues a couple of years ago through our Food Waste Heroes program. So essentially what we do is we match trained volunteers who recruit through the app with local businesses such as supermarkets or cafes or bakeries or Corporate canteens, and those volunteers provide a service to that business. Whereby at the end of the day, they'll pop out of their home across the road. They'll go pick up all the unsold food, let's say from a local Tesco or Pret a Manger. They will then take all that food home, add it to the app. Within minutes, their neighbours are requesting it. Minutes later, their neighbours are popping around and picking it up. And that takes that food from being a waste stream in the store to instead, one to two hours later, fully redistributed into the homes of the local community. And Those businesses, rather than paying a waste contractor to take that food off to landfill or at best anaerobic digestion, instead, they pay us to ensure that that food is fully redistributed into the homes of the local community. So that's how we've started generating revenues and we're continuing to grow that very rapidly. But we're also uh, within the next month going to be introducing what's called a freemium business model, which means that the core Olio app will continue to be free, but that there will be some extra features that we are launching that people will be able to subscribe to in order to unlock that uh, and in subscribing, they're essentially kind of supporting our mission and enabling Olio to continue to exist through giving us a sustainable, scalable business model.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, from a user perspective, myself, I've I've been on the app and I've seen like twelve baguettes going up at a time, and wondering where on earth that's coming from. So, it kind of makes sense a little bit. Mystery solved. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's answered that question for me. And um, so, in the general idea of the business, what has been
2: your biggest challenge so far? Honestly, it is impossible to select sort of the biggest challenge because every single day we're confronted with different challenges. I mean, I guess if I was pushed and I had to select one, I would say the toughest thing has been fundraising. Uh, So we're a female founded business. And uh, sadly, the stats don't lie. Uh, 1% of all venture capital funding uh, goes to female-founded businesses, 89% to male-founded businesses in the Delta to mixed teams. And so it is extremely challenging fundraising as a female-founded business in the tech for good space, which is, you know, to date has not exactly been the hottest space, with a business that's been pre-revenue or very early in our revenue journey. So fundraising has been extremely challenging. However, I'm thrilled to say that with lots of resilience and grit and persistence, uh, we have successfully raised four rounds of equity financing, which has enabled us to take Olio on on the journey that we're on.
1: That resilience is something to be really commended. And on a happier note, (laughs) what would you say has been your biggest success so far or the moment you felt sort of, wow, we really have made
2: it with Olio? Well, I haven't yet thought, wow, we've really made it with Olio because... We have so far to go. <laughs> you know, yes, we've got three million users. Yes, they have given away fifteen million portions of food. Yes, we have fifty thousand ambassadors. All those things are phenomenal, but we need to urgently get to a billion oleoers so we can help solve the climate crisis. So we definitely haven't made it yet. Certainly, a real highlight, a sort of pinch me moment, was when the United Nations gave us an award, highlighting oleo as a beacon for the world in terms of what a scalable solution to the climate crisis looks like so that that was definitely pretty amazing
0: yeah, I think there's some huge achievements to come from it. And I mean, even like I said, just from a user perspective, I'm actually seeing it in so many more places. I went for a walk the other day and there was loads of posters on the bus stop just down oh, the road brilliant. from me about yeah. it. So I think it's really beginning to kind of rise in the app store and people yeah. really beginning to understand it. So as I said, I found some really cool stuff on Odeo, like I said, loads of baguettes keep going up and donuts and things. What has been your personal favorite food find that you've maybe rescued from going to food waste?
2: Well, I can remember um, when I was living in London and there was a food waste hero who used to collect from uh, Deliciously Ella had uh, one of her sort of uh, cafes and I can remember one evening sort of running across Finsbury Park and getting to pick up just a, a smorgasbord of just delicious sort of salady stuff and a few sweet treats from Deliciously Ella's deli. So that that was definitely pretty special. Can't be
1: a bit of Deliciously Ella.
2: No, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. And um, we have spoken a lot about your goal of in around 2030 of having those 1 billion users. But in terms of the next steps for Olio, are there any other particular th- things that you aim to achieve in order to get to that goal?
2: Yeah. So we're still at the moment really focused on building out the core product proposition. Last year, towards the end of the year, we launched a new section in the app called May. So that connects people with their neighbors to sell homemade food and handmade crafts, and that's growing really quickly. And we love Oleo made because on the one hand, you've got people who very much thanks to COVID are kind of reconnecting with their hobbies and their passions, and they're wanting to um, spend more of their time doing that and find a way to finance that and or they're just kind of wanting that second revenue stream. And then on the other side of the equation, we've got people who are increasingly living and working locally, who are wanting to support local and buy local and make those local connections. And so there's something really beautiful about buying something that's kind of handmade locally with love. Perhaps if, you know, we've got kind of Mother's Day, for example, much nicer to get something from olio made. So we're really excited by olio made and then in the next couple of months we're launching a new section called borrow which can, will connect people with their neighbors so they can lend and borrow everyday household items. And we're really excited for that because a typical American home has 300,000 things in it. And I'm sure a typical British home is probably sort of not far behind that. And that is essentially everything you have in your home that you're not using is the world's precious resources trapped. Meanwhile, there's someone sort of, you know, three doors down who's buying exactly what you've got of clutching up your house and taking up space. And so we're really excited for Borrow to give that opportunity to another opportunity for people to connect with their neighbors and build those local relationships and also make sure that things are utilized rather than going to waste.
0: I, that is just a genius idea. I think, especially as a student, that was something that going into student halls, you don't have everything that you need. And all of a sudden, yeah. you might need like a paintbrush or you need something yeah, to like exactly. trim the lawn. Like, you just don't have those sort of things. Yeah. So, that's such a smart idea. And I think that's really going to take off. Do you have any last words of advice for any of our listeners who are maybe thinking about starting their own business?
2: I would, on a personal level, I I can't recommend it enough. It's been an absolutely transformative experience. One, working on something with true purpose at its heart. And then two, doing something sort of for yourself. It's just incredibly fulfilling and empowering experience. I do think that you need to figure out when is the right time in your life to do that if you want to do it. Uh, You need to be make sure that in terms of your relationships that are in your life and also your finances, that you've kind of picked an optimal time. And ideally um, you do it with a co-founder sort of if you can, because it's just so helpful having someone else to kind of go on that journey with you. And then once you have sort of decided that now is the time and this is the person I want to do it with, I just really encourage people to focus on that problem and, and pinpointing very specifically what is the problem I'm existing to solve and is my solution kind of 10x than what already exists out there and then to start with a true MVP and if you haven't already, mandatory reading is eric reese's book the lean startup and then also a book by a guy called rob fitzpatrick called the mom test which is really great for helping you do that kind of early stage market research
1: Some brilliant resources there and thank you so much for joining us Tessa. that's all we have time for today but where can our um listeners find you and Olio to see some more information about what you guys are doing
2: Yep. So they can find Olio in the App Store or Google Play. It's spelled O-L-I-O, or you can just uh, search online. And then I'm on Twitter at Tessa L.F. Clark and also on Medium at Tessa L.F. Clark. And I've written quite a few blog posts both about the climate crisis, but also about kind of building a startup. So, for example, I've got a blog post that shares about 20 podcasts that Sasha, my co founder, and I have listened to kind of on our journey to really help us build and scale Olio to where we are today. So, um, yeah, do check it out.
0: Great. Thank you, Tessa.
2: No worries. My pleasure.
0: This has been the Lost and Founded podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to head over to Instagram and let us know how you found it at Lost and Founded Pod. With new episodes being released every Thursday, you'll be ready to continue taking steps to bring your ideas to life. Wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to follow and be notified about more inspiring stories and experiences.
1: That's all for now, and we'll see you next week.